Podcasting from Astrolab Studios, this is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi fantasy and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended. This week, Space Above and Beyond, episodes 22 and 23. Cooper, you said that those chambers felt familiar. Well, that's how you were born. And because of that, I'm not like you. I know life is cheap. I cost less to make than that ITG system. Look, Marines aren't put here to slaughter the innocent. I'm not convinced it's innocent. But I am convinced it's dead no matter what. And if leaving here with that thing alive means that we might come home dead, then I know what has to be done. And if none of you have the dark hearts to do it, I do. Don't leave without me. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that's saying goodbye to the Chiggy Man this week. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Yeah, isn't that sad we're saying goodbye to the Chiggy Man? Chiggy Man, pancakes, and this episode we're Chig Babies. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, we get to see some Chig Babies. Although, big spoiler there. Well, I'm sorry. Well, you're going to find out eventually after a couple (laughs) minutes. Also, is it still a spoiler when the show's been off the air for over 20 years? I don't know. Good question. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to believe we're finally at the end here. I should say right from the beginning, I think poor Luke has had to deal with a lot for me. One, I changed the schedule for the recording all the time, as we are remotely recording once again because of me. And I, I usually uh, complain through most of these. You would say that's pr- probably pretty true, right, Luke, that I can't do it anymore? You, ha- you have a hard time the further we get into any series. Yeah, and so and this one, because it was especially long, there were points where I, I just didn't know if I was going to make it. And it's I've said this many times, this show has such a love-hate uh, relationship that it really tested me. But I'm, I actually am very happy we got to the end of, of end of this show in, in, a, in a just nice completed sort of sense. Yeah, there's no loose ends for us now, other than the loose ends that are in these episodes. Uh, that's true. Yeah, but that's everyone's problem, not just ours. Like we don't, we never knew what happened in Tech War. Like, were there some great episodes in there? Probably not. We'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, before we get into the episodes, I don't want to uh, get into too much because I got a lot of talk out after these episodes are over. I think we can kind of do a final debrief. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering if you could uh, guess based on what you remember, because it's been a long time. We've been doing this for months now. What your two highest rated episodes were? Oh, sorry, three. You gave three episodes an eight, the highest rating you've given. I'm going to guess Pancakes. I don't know what the episodes are, so you'll, you'll know what I mean. Pancakes episode. Yep. I would say the episode where, where Hawks is by himself. Really? Yeah, nope. Really? Oh, I like that one. Maybe I just like it more in, in past. Um, I think I probably gave uh, the episode where uh, they find West's girlfriend, but she ends, she's a goo jig, a goo chick. Yeah, <laughs> that, one... that was one of your eights. And then the other eight would have been, I think, one of the two-parters that, like, with, with uh, Chiggy Von Richthoven. Yeah, the last one. You're correct. Yeah, you, yeah. you nailed it. Your top three. Well, you know, I was thinking about them in, in the shower, um, as one does, and I thought about it just on, you know, either the episode you like or the episodes I like. If you cut just those episodes into a season, six to eight episode season, this would have been an excellent show. I did the math. I actually went through all these episodes, and I looked at what was good and what was not and uh some of them you know 
aren't great, but I think were necessary for the season. I think there's 13 episodes. You think 13? Because I looked at it and I actually called out the 13 episodes. So what are those? What's the order? I think you'd watch the pilot. Yeah. Mutiny, the episode where we get to know tanks and they do that big mutiny on the ship. Uh, sorry, what was the plot of it? We get to see the ship full of tanks. And that's when we kind of get oh, to see yeah, that was a pretty good episode. in vitros yeah, in yeah. things, right, in right. their like tubes. I think then you go to Ray Butts. Yeah, I love Ray Butts. I think you go to Eyes after that, which was the one where we kind of get to see how the UN Secretary General works and there's the big election. Yeah, yeah, you like that one way more than I did, but sure. I don't know why you don't like that one, actually. It's very funny because it is one of the better episodes. Mm, maybe if I rewatched it. I think you do then. These two are kinder for you, but I think they're maybe important to the overall arc of the plot is a Hostile Visit followed by its sequel... choice or chance yeah i know those ones i thought they were good that's when yeah they get the chig ship crash on the planet and then they go to the prison um i don't actually think they're that good but i think they're important to actually getting through the plot right i think you'd go to who monitors the birds after that the uh, standalone hawk silent episode i didn't give that an eight huh no 7.5 then i think you go never no more and angriest angel the two parts with uh chiggy von richtoven yep and then I think you're going, and you might reject this, but I think you'd be wrong. I think you'd go Dear Earth, where they get the mail from home. Yeah, yeah. I just think that is a good episode break before you get to the final bit. You do Sugar Dirt, where they have that uh, big battle on the planet. <laughs> no, I would not put Sugar Dirt in. I think you kind of need it. I think it's one of the few where you see the war progress. Right, okay. You wouldn't put it in, eh? I don't know. Is it? Well, I can't remember. I, all I remember is I'm eating Sugar Dirt. What else happened? I don't know. You you really like that episode, though. It's one of the highest rated ones you get. I can't I can't remember. Is, isn't it funny how things work like that? <laughs> it was last week. Was it last week's? Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, and then you do the final two episodes here. I think. Oh, yeah. That's 13. Definitely the final two. I think you have something there. I think I think that's the I think that's maybe the best version of this show. Cut out half of the season. Well, it is funny because when it's good, it's quite good. And when it's bad, it's just kind of boring and you're right if you just condense that stuff like i mean it's easy to say now but if you can just condense it you have a pretty interesting sci-fi show and and i think maybe a sci-fi show that's warrants some of the praise that people look back on it with uh nostalgic eyes yeah i mean i don't think that 13 episodes is still perfect but i think it is maybe the best version of the show all right do you have anything else you want to get to before we start or should we go no, let's get right into these these are I'll, and i'm gonna say right off the bat these are super frustrating because they're both really good episodes that's true they are actually some pretty good episodes yeah. it's funny because i think a few episodes ago i said there's no chance that they're going to redeem themselves it was something along those lines and and then of course at the very end there they've just these are two it's annoyingly how good these are compared to some of the episodes we've watched previously well let's begin then here's the i'm to be summary for episode 22 and if they lay us down to rest is it keith you'll find out <laughs> The 58th Recon, a moon orbiting the Chig homeworld before a major invasion is set to begin. Among hostile Chig confrontations, they encounter a single alien of unknown species that appears to be of no threat. Then the unexpected happens. The author of that was uncredited, actually. So it wasn't Keith. It wasn't Keith. Keith, you missed out. This is a good episode. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the episode opens up on this montage of like the universe's creation. Yeah. With Vanson kind of giving a narration about like how how the world and Earth and the universe came into being. Now, retroactively, after watching these two episodes, I understand why they put this, but it, I it annoyed me when I first come out. I was like, okay, let's get to it. Stop wasting my time. 
<laughs> kind of ends with like a push in on a skull in this jungle and the big reveal is that skull uh fades down onto an alien face and uh, you're left to wonder is this a chig question mark it's the first alien we've seen yeah it's the first alien and and what you get is maybe there was an alien on earth is basically what they're implying oh you think so i actually thought because it's the same the skull is on the same planet as the episode takes place on I think you're supposed to be think you're looking at Earth, but what you're really seeing is the moon that oh, about to land on. Right, all right. I got it wrong. Hence, hence the aliens there. Yeah. Okay. But it maybe you're right. Who knows? But we go. But don't worry. We go right into a briefing because it wouldn't be a, a, a episode of Space Above and Beyond if we don't have a, at least a two minute briefing scene. It's true. It starts hard into a briefing. I guess uh, they're finally coming back to uh, Operation Nye. Isn't it? Isn't it code name Anvil? Well, yes, the, the other operation I'm referring to is the secret plans mission where they drop that ship on the thing to give the Chigs the wrong plans. Right. That apparently has worked. And so they're about to do Operation Anvil, which is going down to this moon, which the summary of this says it's orbiting the Chig homeworld. I didn't pick up on that in the entire episode. I think they may have said it, but I felt the same way. I was like, is this their actual homeworld or is this just a planet? Because I don't think they even know, do they? Well, they do know now where the Chick homeworld. They've mentioned that before. I just didn't realize this moon they were landing on was in an orbit around the Chig homeworld. Right. Did they ever give a name for the planet? No. I uh, This planet, I don't think they did. Uh, they just kept referring to it as Anvil because this is where Roundhammer is going to hit. Right. Because uh, it's a hammer and it's an anvil. Mm-hmm. Yep. They really thought it out. <laughs> but the planet is methane atmosphere and with like methane based plants which is just a big jungle but I, I, it was a nice way of like having a jungle and explaining why they can't breathe i guess yeah I, I liked it it looked like dagobah that's true it did look a little bit like that yeah and they're supposed to go down to this planet to set up a what they called an egat system which i guess they're going to use to do some surveillance before they start the battle i don't know it wasn't clear to me what they were up to all i know is someone and, and luke maybe you you picked it up because i forgot to write it down in my notes but Someone wore a first-to-go, first-to-know shirt. <laughs> Who was that? Oh, right. I think that's uh, Vanson was, as they're gearing up, was wearing that uh, first-to-go, last-to-know. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get you that shirt. Oh, uh-huh. I don't know where I'd wear it. Everywhere. Fancy. Formal occasions. Yeah, cocktail parties. <laughs> but when they get down to the planet, there's obviously, like, chigs patrolling the planet, and they, they get in a quick fist fight with a bunch of chigs. Yeah. It's where it's kind of revealed because as as they're stabbing them to death, because I guess they're trying to be stealthy. Yeah, I think that was what it was supposed to be. They're trying to be quiet. I was just like, man, I would not want to fight in those spacesuits because they can't breathe on the planet. I'm like, you're just going to pull off an oxygen tube. Yeah. Well, it, although although the Chigs really have a disadvantage when it comes to uh, hand-to-hand combat because those poor outfits are just terrible to use. They are more clunky than the humans' outfits, that's for sure. They got that stupid thing in the front that just gets in the way. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good question. What is that there for? It's just like a design thing, but clearly they did, you know, when the actual designer of the costume put it together, it's like, that looks cool and different. Then you have to wear it. It's like, why would there be a big thing jutting out of them? It's like walking around with a big erection. Out of your chest. Out of your chest, which is much worse. But yeah, they get in this hand-to-hand fight and they're doing the same thing they usually do. They like, they pull their air tanks off them and West, I guess, notices it's like, oh, they keep moving when you pull off their like life support because this is their native environment, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, they, yeah, because I think up to this point, they thought that every time they released the, uh, I guess, pressure of the suit, and we had talked about it before, was we thought it was maybe the atmosphere was killing them. But this is, if this is the planet they live on, theoretically, what they've decided is that it's actually sort of like a, like what, like a poison capsule sort of thing. Yeah, because 
once they kill these guys, Hawks is very excited. He's never seen a chick, and he still wants to see a chick. Yeah. I wrote down what he said in the episode, because uh, they've killed them, and they noticed they didn't die right away. So Hawks is, oh, he says, maybe Chiggy won't spooge when you take his cover off in his yard. Yeah, it's weird. They, uh, they, they've they brought back the, the slang spooge again, and it still sounds gross. <laughs> I mean, it's a good description for how they look when you pull off their I, I suppose. They get all spoogy. But yeah, like you said, they pull off their mask here and they're already spooged again. So it is some, they've theorized some sort of suicide device that's been built in the, into their armor. Why do you think they would have that? It's like, so they don't get captured because assume, uh, seemingly when someone's taking off their mask, they're already dead. I guess it's just the thing. They just never want to be captured alive. That's the point of it. I guess so. I mean, Wang theorizes that it's maybe not a voluntary thing. Like this is some sort of forced suicide cap- capsule. Right. So they can't surrender. Although, I, did you notice that uh, when they're talking about how they have to keep their helmets on or they'll, like, turn into goo, Hawks brings up how he'd hate to be stuck in his helmet forever, mm-hmm. which is a callback to that Fear Planet episode. That's right, yeah. They built in this idea that he is afraid of wearing his helmet. Like, he has claustrophobia. You know what's funny? I, I remember that line. I actually thought it was referring to the episode where he was by himself and he tried putting the mask on. Oh, interesting. I thought it was maybe going back to his, like, fear of enclosed places. Well, either way, it's a dumb fear. (laughs) Um, Hey, and we should mention, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, and it's going to come back a few times, is uh, Hawks is reading a comic this whole episode, and it's called, what is it, G-I-G-Q'd? Something like that? Yes, G-I-G-Q'd, published by Topps Comics. Yeah. Great, it's fun. This is, did we talk about this at some point? I think we might have, is this is one of those uh, pieces of, of merchandise, or not merchandise, like show props that still exist that people are selling on ebay oh is that right i think so we've seen we've seen photos of this cover before because i've seen just it stand alone and it's clearly published by tops comics and like comics cost like 15 dollars an issue in the future or something like that yeah i get that probably makes sense and obviously tops is publishing the actual space movie had comics so it's a bit of synergy i thought it was a fun little thing though that they're going down to the mission he's reading a comic well you're a big comic books fan so you could get into it yeah that's what i would be doing but after they kind of kill these chigs in their armor, Hawks catches sight of this, like, weird-looking alien. It's kind of got a... How would you describe this alien, Jordan? Well, you know, at first I thought he was naked, but we find he's not actually naked. But that's the, the first look I saw of him. He's their sort of, um, I get humanoid, but I don't know. You get a weird look. They've got something weird in their face. Very black eyes. They've got kind of a skull face. Like, they've got no yeah. nose, just kind of slits where a nose would be. And there's no mouth either. Just kind of like a weird swirly bit where a mouth should be. They look sort of like a little bit like an ugly Groot. An ugly Groot. That's yeah. a decent description, I'd say. Hawks catches sight of him, and they, they call this alien Pasty throughout the episode, so I will too. Oh, good old Pasty. They chase after Pasty here. This becomes a question that will come up a lot. Is uh, Someone asks Hawks if what he saw was a chig. Um, and his reply, here's his quote, is, I don't know, chigs won't let me see what they look like, because that's what he really wants in life. Yeah, yeah, because that's, that's their big goal. They're like, we just don't want you to see. But it is an interesting thing, because this episode has, I don't know if it does it perfectly, but it raises the interesting moral ideas, because as, as this episode starts progressing, they're chasing this creature. It might be a chig, it might not be. And they're sort of just, you know, trained just to kill kind of on sight. But it's this idea of should we be doing this? And, you know, is this yeah, an innocent creature? They lose Pasty as they're chasing after him. But what we get to see is Pasty, I don't know, climbs into a tree trunk. And it sort of ends up in this cave mm-hmm. where there's it's full of like glowing eggs, I guess. Like they're like built into the walls of the cave. So they're like glass and a wall that's glowing. I don't know. I guess they were eggs. 
I don't know if it's it's so much glass as much as like it's a hard shell that happens to be see through. And one of one of them's broken, and he reaches into the goo and he pulls out like this gummy bear looking alien fetus. I loved it. Didn't you think this is exactly what the show needs? It needs stuff like this. It was it was nice. I mean, it was nice to see something weird and alien for a change. Yeah, I was just like, I was all into it. And it looked, you know what? Whoever did the design, it looked exactly like a baby of that creature would. I loved it. <laughs> well, that's very good. I kept thinking, I'm like, it, it looks like it would be tasty. <laughs> it looks sweet, right? Yeah, it looked like a gummy bear to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's like a giant gummy bear you could eat. I know. If you left me alone in that little uh, nursery, whatever you call it, I'd end up being like, I couldn't help myself. And I just have like little babies just driven down my chin because they look too much like gummy candy. <laughs> oh, man. What a what a visual. <laughs> <laughs> just biting, holding it, just biting right in the middle of it. <laughs> just pops. <laughs> it pops like a, what was it? Remember the episode? Didn't so <laughs> weird. <laughs> Were we joking that was his face testicle would pop when he gets <laughs> gets in the plane? <laughs> oh, yeah. It just feel like that. Oh, good old angriest angel. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, what we kind of see with Pasty here is that he's protecting kind of his young, I guess, or like the young of his species, and he's kind of defenseless. They've clearly, as like you know, most animals do. They've they have a nest or whatever it might be, and they have their babies protected, but. Uh, but he clearly doesn't have any defenses himself. So it's more about a hiding thing. Yeah. What we kind of do see, though, is uh, Pacey seems to have a bunch of rudimentary traps set up around the planet. He Kevin mccallister the place. Yeah. Vanson gets caught in, like, one of those classic net traps that springs up from under you and you walk through the jungle. I love that. I love that. It was so great. They're, they seem to get their, like, that EGAT system they're supposed to set up on the planet gets destroyed when Wes, like, trips uh, a tripwire. And, like, you know when you have a tree bent over with spikes on it, it, like, mm. spikes over and smashes his, like, little computer system? Yeah, this is, like, classic Tarzan sort of uh, sort of uh, things that they're dealing with. You know, oh, well, whoops, I stepped in a rope and it pulled me up into the tree and then you stepped on another one and a spike came down. But I just thought it added a level of fun to the show that, that the show sorely needs. Well, and it sets up that Pasty's not all that dangerous, or at least not all that technologically smart. Right. But they they keep tracking him. They finally end up in this sort of egg nest, and they're looking around trying to figure out what it might be. But because it's all these, like, little alien fetuses and these eggs, I guess Hawks recognizes it, like, emotionally as some sort of in vitro nest kind of thing. Well, I mean, there are some sort of similarities between what it looks like and the in vitro tubes, right? I mean there's clearly something gestating inside anyway mm-hmm. and this is sort of where that debate starts happening about whether pasty is aligned with the chigs whether he's just some poor schmuck who wandered into the middle of this war mm-hmm. there's a lot a lot of theories about him west doesn't think he's a chig because here, here's his logic behind it when you kill something face to face there's a connection to the life you take and hence, he doesn't feel like when he saw Pasty, he has that connection. Yeah. Is, I, is that a sound I, logic? I don't know. I, I mean, he might not be the person you want to go to for philosophical debates. <laughs> I think I'm on Wang's side for this whole episode because Wang is sort of the, you know, as we've mentioned before in the past, they sort of rotate characters who are going to be the moral center depending on what fits the story. And in this episode, it's Wang is sort of the the person who keeps bringing up the, like, should we be just killing right away? And... uh What's his face? Uh, Hawks is sort of uh, all wants to be all Rambo. Yeah. Wang's theory about it is that perhaps it's a pre fashion late civilization. And in order for them to colonize, they have to like travel with just like eggs in shells because they have to go long distances and some caretaker just takes care of them. So he's really not sure if this is the right thing to do. 
Also, we should mention that the uh, the aliens clicking clicking and clacking all over the place. Is he clicking and clacking? Yeah, he's like, sound? yeah, he's like, yeah, like constantly. That's it. That was my version. Do so you think he wasn't clicking and clacking? I, you know what? Weirdly, I didn't even pick up on it. Yeah, I, I thought he was clicking and clacking all over the place. That's fun. He's like a little bug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Did you? I, I really liked while they're theorizing about what this could be. Vanson tells a story about the time she saw the last panda in a zoo. Oh yeah, yeah. It was really good because the story ends and she, her moral of the story is like she was pretty unimpressed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> was just sitting there eating bamboo. She she couldn't have cared less. It wasn't wasn't she irritated because it didn't uh, it didn't comprehend that it was the last of its species? Like she, it wasn't appreciating its time. It wasn't savoring every bite of that bamboo. That was exactly it. She's just like it didn't know. It was dumb. And then finally, Hawks, he really he really doesn't think they should take the risk. Like, he doesn't want to blow this mission. He's worked too hard to get here. And he even says uh, that he has the dark heart to kill an innocent life. Hmm. He's such a badass. Yeah, I guess. It is funny, though, because uh, at, at this point, they've sort of left the nest. And Vanson reminds him, it's like, hey, before you kill this thing, don't you feel any empathy for it? it it's like an in vitro. It grows the same as you do. Yeah. And his response is that he knows that life is cheap because he's an in vitro because he costs less to make than an ITG system. Is that what he said? Yeah. I didn't mind it, actually, as far as like a reason. Yeah. Maybe Hawks would care less about life. Like he's just like the product of manufacturing. He's a can of tuna. Yeah. And he's just like, so why should we care that much about life? It's an interesting debate he brings on. Hmm. I just think that, again, I mentioned before i think sometimes it would have been nice if there was a through line for everyone's arguments through the beginning of the series to the end and it seems like they kind of pick and choose it's like wang it's wang, it works for wang to be the moral center of this episode but then you know earlier episodes he was just being annoying about stuff so i don't know you know he was sure wasn't the more moral center when uh when he stole that uh, battery out of the tank but this brings hawks back to pasty's nest i guess and when he gets there there's also a group of chigs that have shown up at the nest they're like there he has to fight them there's a big gun battle and yeah. we're just watching eggs explode left and right i actually felt i felt bad for those eggs and pasty is cowering in a corner he's pretty unhappy with the whole deal yeah hawks though manages to kill all three of them by himself he's a very good uh, chig killer well that's why they sent him on that secret mission that time <laughs> that's true but he does feel now bad for pasty because if the chigs were there to kill him he doesn't want to be as bad as a chick. So he kind of drags Pasty back to see the rest of the wild cards to figure out what to do with him. And there's a bit of a debate around what they should do or how they should warn him about round hammer that's about to happen. And they, they, they run through a whole bunch of options of how you communicate with a nonverbal species. I thought it was pretty good because it, it did. It was frustrating the way it would be, right? Because, you know, at first it, they do the classic, like, we'll just try to talk slowly or we'll try to point to things. You know, I think they point to one point, like, they want to point to the sky to say, like, you know, ships are coming down and he just is looking at their finger, you know? And I was like, oh, that that's that was a well-written scene. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. They, like, they try some hand signals because West one time saw close encounters with third kind. Also, by the way, he loves movies from 100 years ago. He really does. I also don't remember hand signals in that movie, but I'm sure they were there. Yeah, I, I remember... remember- I remember the music, yeah. Yeah. I knew you'd know it. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Only reason I brought it up. (laughs) But finally, they do find a way to communicating with him. And it's not hand signals. It's not talking slow. It's not Wang's mime work. It is the comic book that Hawks brought with him. Yep. He kind of opens it up and starts pointing to drawings of Marines shooting chigs. And that kind of drives home the message, I guess, that 
something bad's going to happen, like that he's in the middle of like violence. They finally get across the point that what's going to happen, they're illustrating it. So, you know, there's going to be an explosion and troops and fire and all that. So it kind of understands that point. And Pasty appreciates the warning. He gives a handful of dirt to Hawks. I guess that's his way of saying thank you. Yeah, it's a terrible present. It's uh, They really make a lot of theories about what it could possibly mean by the end. But, you know, it was. It, I think it was just his way of showing. He knows what is happening. What, what's happening now. What I like, though, is he gives him the, the earth. But, like, if someone gave me, like, a bunch of dirt, like, I would at least try to keep it tight in my hand. But he sort of just has it, like, gently cupped. So when he's sitting on the plane, it's like parts are falling out of his hand. I'm like, well, you're not even protecting the dirt that you were given. Like, put it in a jar or something. It's funny. I didn't realize he was going to bring it back with him to the ship. But he really does. He does, yeah. And yeah, that sort of ends the mission. The wild cards return. They make a not a big deal, but they're like, oh, the mission was successful. And I was like, wasn't the computer destroyed? Like, I don't know, A, what the mission was, and B, I don't think it was successful, but uh, everyone's pretty happy with them when they get back. Well, again, this was... <laughs> This, uh, it's probably just a bit of realism that the, the writers put in, but every episode, and I think we've mentioned it before, the wild cards are sent on the worst missions. They're always sort of talked about like, oh, that's the wild cards? How impressive. But almost all the missions they're sent on is some sort of reconnaissance, or they have just like, they have to leave something somewhere, or they just need to watch someone else. But And this was one of those missions where they just set up a thing, and they didn't even do it well, but I don't know, they're the wild cards. Wowee. <laughs> But, I mean, this gets to the big twist that makes this a two-part episode is we jump to the Saratoga Bridge and uh, some mysterious ship is approaching the Saratoga sending Morse code and it's offering them peace negotiations via Morse code. And I did not see that coming. Like, it, it just sort of came out and I, I appreciated that it sort of was a twist that made sense. You're like, what? What is now suddenly happening? Well, and it's a new ship we haven't seen before. It was kind of like black and shiny. It looked a little like a TNG shuttlecraft. And I wasn't sure if this was pasty coming up or if this was some chig ship approaching we haven't seen. But when it docks, they give it permission to dock because they need to figure out what's going on. And this uh, chig in armor gets off and it's very cool black and red armor. First time we've seen that. Yeah, it had, it, I, I thought it was almost sort of like, yeah, like, like war paint or something. But I think it was just actually signifying this person has some sort of uh, diplomatic status. Yeah, they'll refer to him as an ambassador moving forward. They call in the alien interpretation unit who uh, fills a room with methane for the Chig. Mm-hmm. And this is where he goes into and takes up his helmet, finally giving us the big reveal. Yeah, we get to see what a Chig face looks like. And what does it look like? It's the same alien as Pasty. Pasty was a Chig the whole time. But he's clearly like, he's not a Chig who's pro-military. <laughs> he just wants to raise those, he just wants to raise those babies. Yeah, Pasty's just a caretaker taking care of these little babies. Yeah. Like, this is a pretty simple, straightforward episode, but I thought they nailed all the beats properly, and then it ended on a pretty good cliffhanger. Yeah, fair enough. It was it was a decent episode. I don't know if I liked it quite as much as you, but it was it was a decent episode, and I was happy to finally see an alien face. Right. I agree. On a science fiction show, imagine that. I know, right? Finally. I will give them credit, though. I, I'm glad they at least teased out revealing not just a chig, but what an alien looks like. It felt like space is maybe vast and and they haven't seen a lot of things in it right because there's some shows that are just like non-stop aliens this one at least made you earn that alien yeah that's true all right let's do uh let's get into the next part since it's a two-parter and we can talk more about it and really let me just stop you real quick these episodes really work as two combined like as single episodes i don't know how well they work but i'm i'm kind of rating them on as one solid long episode because this is one story it is i mean it's a two-parter so that's fair I get a lot from a person looking into their eyes. 
Can't leave an animal. I can look in a dog's eyes and know if it's gonna bite me. But this chig... Its eyes are so black. Empty. Yet brilliant. Sir? What did the rest of it look like? We won't say nothing. Almost a human-shaped head, whitish pink skin, gills. Does it have a protruding lower jaw? Who told you? Colonel, I need to see it. All right, here's the summary for episode 23. Tell our mother we done our best. A Chig ambassador could be the key to peace, end the war, and home for the Earth forces. The head of Aerotech is requested to talks by the ambassador, but when he arrives, he knows more than appears. And that summary was courtesy of Keith is me. Nice. Came back for the final episode. Keith is me. I, I knew you'd be happy to see he was here for our last episode. Yeah, I am. I'm glad. It feels like an old friend's come back, you know? He's probably reviewed, like done at least half of them, right? It must be. I haven't gone back to look, but he certainly wasn't there in the early ones, but in the latter half, oof, almost every one. Yeah, we could count on him. He's been a friend to us. <laughs> so this episode starts off with a recap of the last one, but I thought what they did was interesting is midway through the recap, it sort of breaks up and static sort of fills up as if the recap cut out midway through. Yeah. And we sort of like cut into the middle of the UN Secretary General Hayden giving a big speech about these peace talks that are happening as if we're watching a feed from Earth. Yeah, I I liked it. It was a special bulletin. And weren't you glad to see her old blind lady come back? Yeah, it was good to see she wasn't forgotten about. I also liked that it was seemed to be subtitled in all Japanese or something. Yeah, it was it was I don't know what 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 do you call the actual like Asian writing like the style, but it was something I don't know. We're, We're English, so we don't know. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, it was some sort of subtitle for for an Asian audience, I guess that's important in the future. Mm-hmm. And we're basically kind of told that the peace talks are coming, or happening anyway, and that the war started 18 months and four days ago with the first colony of massacre. Does that seem to add up? I tried to do the math on it, and I actually think that's about right. So a year and a half. A year and a half, because I think it took them two weeks to find out that the colony massacres had happened. Mm-hmm. But that still kind of gives them lots of time to get into this war, I think. And like a year and a half, that sounds about right to me, I think. Yeah, a, l- a lot of moping around has happened in that year and a half. It's, it's a long year. You got a lot of moping to do. But this this is good because this scene, because I thought when she started talking about it, I was like, wow, they're really jumping ahead. They're already talking about peace negotiations. But what we find in the next scene is that she is sort of jumping the gun a little bit and manipulating the audience because they haven't really negotiated anything and they don't really know where they stand with everything but she's sort of jumping the gun the military's a little irritated yeah they're they're not happy that she's they don't know if these are real peace talks they don't know anything yet and they, they think she's kind of shouldn't be telling everyone and giving them this hope if this is all a trick and also the table's now blue did you notice that oh i didn't notice that they changed the color yeah the, the t- t- table with the lights on the bottom is all blue and, I, and my thought was the color it's like a mood ring it changes depending on what the mood in the room is Oh, I like that yeah. idea. Yeah. That's some fun military stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what they're always looking for. That's tech. That's yeah. tech. Right? 
I'm going to go back really quickly to the uh, UN Secretary General's speech for a second. Mm-hmm. Because she, when she's referring to these negotiations that are going to happen, she has this line that I couldn't wrap my head around, and maybe you could explain it to me. Okay. She says, referring to the negotiations starting, she's like, they're starting today, but in the perplexities of space travel will occur over two weeks from now. Oh, yeah. I, I thought that was just a line sort of that it takes so long to for information to be transmitted over by the time they're getting it. Things have already progressed by the time they're getting information. Does that work? I don't know, because it, she's saying that they're starting today, but won't start for till two weeks from now. Like, I would understand, like, we won't hear about it till two weeks from now. But the, it was a very confusing line that I could not wrap my head around. I went back mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't understand what she's saying. I don't know. That's, that's what I, I had just assumed, but I maybe didn't think about it as much as you did. I don't know. There's so, something weird and spacey about it, but I couldn't, like, some sort of thing, you know, some relativity involved. But I couldn't figure it out. It is weird for them to bring that up, though, because they've kind of skirted around the issue of the travel and how fast they need to go and how that works in terms of time and and you know you would be aging faster than other people blah 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 um they kind of because didn't they really originally on drop a line about how they use like black holes and stuff to get from place to place right yeah the wormholes i think and wormholes, they never brought right. it back yeah and they never brought it back yeah which was interesting for this show that's right that was in the pilot that's how they explained their ability to travel so quickly and it's we've never seen it happen yeah, exactly. Except, well, no, except for when once they went into a black hole, but that's, I guess, not the same as a wormhole, right? Well, he's living forever in that black hole. Yeah. <laughs> and then at a certain point, he's like, I got to finish this song. <laughs> it just keeps going. Yeah. Anyway, I yeah, I couldn't figure out what that line meant. And it made less sense to me, too, because she's sending it from Earth, this negotiation message. Oh, yeah, you're right. And they're watching it in real time where they are on the saratoga millions and billions of kilometers away so i I don't know i couldn't wrap my head around what was going on with that line you're right i forgot she was on earth yeah that doesn't make sense anyway it's not important it doesn't come up at all but i was just like this is some sort of weird science talk that i can't understand i really wanted to oh well you know you can't have everything you want in life well that's true anyway from here we kind of cut in and catch up with the wild cards in their bunks in what was a an odd scene yeah, it's just a scene where they all kind of talk about what they would do if the war ended. They sort of have been thrust into that, you know, we're all ready to go and suddenly, like, it might be over. You know, they're preparing for battle. And so then it's all them kind of talking about their options. But, yeah, what, what do they go through? Well, that's true. It is kind of what will happen when the war ends. But what I'm referring to as odd is when it starts sort of media and res in their bunks, they're all lingering in Hawk's farts. <laughs> what? What? Did you not remember this? No. When it starts, all the 48th are lay or all the 58th are laying in their beds, covering their faces with pillows, and Hawks is just like laughing and laughing. And he's just like, "Sorry, you guys. When in vitro's eat cabbage, this is what happens." I, I 100% missed that. I can I can only blame it on I probably was typing something, a note from a previous scene, and entirely missed that. But that's funny. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and watch that. It's the weirdest way to start the episode, and it's never something they've brought up before, and it's just like, we're all just lingering here in the smell of hawks. You know what, though? I like it, because what it brings up is, he really wrecked his body with those green meanies, <laughs> and so as a as a problem now, he has, uh, he has gastrointestinal issues. Fair enough. I mean, it's hard out there in space. Well, green meanies, they wreck your system. It's all fun and games, you know, when you're, when you're out uh, having a prostitute like your neck navel, but after that, you know stinky farts well they're having this conversation mcqueen sort of shows up 
to let them know that this ambassador from the Chigs appears to be legitimate. He's proven himself by giving them some sort of code to send to a Chig fleet mm-hmm. that pushes them away from their fleet. So, you know, they kind of see that he's real. He's offered that when these peace talks start, the Chigs are going to release all of the colony hostages they have. Right. And which means West's girlfriend, Kaylin's finally going to come back. Yeah, it's it's funny. It was at this scene, I made a note that this feels like a I know we're getting canceled episode. It's funny because I've read a few things that imply they were suspicious it was going to happen. So they did write a little bit. I mean, they've left it pretty much the same as if they were going to get a second season. But there have been a little bit of like a few drops here and there mm-hmm. that perhaps they know they will. There's one point in the episode where they're talking about this ambassador and whether he's going to be real. And McQueen says, I, I can't look into his eyes because they're all black. So I can't get a sense of if he's like on the level or not. Mm-hmm. And his exact quote is, uh, I do get an odd sense. It's either a beginning or an end. Right. Really implying it's just like it's an end for this show. They, they were very cautious that this is probably not going to be their last episode. Yeah. And it is. It's their last and episode. It, it is. Oh, he also says, though, that scene, though, he's like, every dog I looked at, I could tell if it was going to bite me or not. And I was like, that, that's a weird thing to always know. It is funny. It's kind of like West in the last episode. It's like, if you look into their eyes or you kill someone, you know who they are. Yeah. It's like, no, you you don't. <laughs> These guys are so easily tricked. They're probably very like, you can trick them into doing anything. Yeah. Just look at my eyes. <laughs> anyway, so we, we have, they, they give that there's a list of, uh, there's a list of surviving colonial hostages and of course, West is now all excited that he might be seeing a uh, old. Uh, I don't even know what her name is. Chelsea. I think it's Kaylin. What's her name? Kaylin. Kaylin. Yeah, something like that. Anyways, he... Kaylin. Oh, Kaylin. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna see her again. And the fiftieth kind of beg McQueen to tell them what a chig looks like because they've never seen one. Still, they think, mm-hmm. and they don't know that this alien is the same as Pasty from the planet. Yeah. So when McQueen kind of describes it, they're shocked to see like, oh, that was a chig we met. And Vanson kind of reveals to McQueen here that that's the alien they met on the planet. And they explained Operation Roundhammer to him. Yeah. So the Chigs know what they're up to. I mean, it was an interesting idea. I don't know if I buy it entirely. But, you know, the thing is, they may have ruined the mission. And the only reason the ambassador is there is because they knew they were going to be destroyed. So they're like, let's now call peace. But I, I think there's a... Could you get that from looking at a comic book? That's what I mean. I mean, the argument is flimsy at best because they could barely communicate at all with this thing, that it would be able to be of any strategic use. Um, but I maybe, I mean, maybe I'm just splitting hairs here with the military. I mean, it is a bit of a stretch that them showing a page of a comic book revealed their entire round hammer plan. But nonetheless, the military brass on the ship is pissed off. And basically, the wild cards are kicked out of the war and confined to quarters for basically revealing the plan. Which was an interesting idea. I mean, I didn't expect that. You know, usually in TV, it's like, yeah, there's a reprimand. But they were literally like, yeah, you guys are finishing the war essentially with a dishonorable discharge. Yeah, I mean, I I expect they would have been court-martialed. Yeah. But it's at this point that the peace negotiations are going to start. The uh, Chig ambassador has actually asked for one specific person to be at the negotiations. Yeah, it's I. I don't know what the character's name is, but it's Mr. Peterman from Seinfeld. <laughs> is it Mr. Peterman or Mr. Lippman? Oh, it's Mr. Lippman. You're right. Yeah, I wrote Mr. Peterman. It's Mr. Lippman. Yeah, it's Elaine's boss from Pendant Publishing. Top of the muffin to you. It's that guy. Yeah, it's that guy. He's the Airtech CEO, and the Chig ambassador has asked for him to be there personally. And what we get to see as he gets off this ship, like arriving for the negotiations, is 
A, it's really weird, is he gives two soldiers two Roosevelt dimes as he gets off the ship. He, like, gives them each one dime and puts in their hands as if he's tipping them. It was 2015, right? Yeah, he says these dimes are from 2015, which was the year they stopped making dimes and the year Aerotech started. Mm-hmm. It's funny, the idea that 2015, because that would have been, for this show, like, more than 20 years in the future. You know what? That didn't come true. We still have dimes. Yeah, everyone still has dimes. We still have nickels, even. Yeah, they're <laughs> we still do have nickels, yeah. Pennies, although, they've gone the way of the dodo. Only in Canada. Is that right? Yeah, I think Americans still have pennies. Guys, get with the program. It's 2015. <laughs> it's 2015, come on. You guys still using dimes? I do like, though, he gives these two guys the dimes, and then he says, treat yourselves. <laughs> I was like, what are they going to do with these antique dimes? <laughs> um, please, uh, they're like, one house, please. Maybe. <laughs> maybe they're that valuable i have no idea it made no sense but what we do get to see is this aerotech ceo has an inside band in the military and they kind of have this like clandestine meeting before the peace talks we kind of get a sense of how much not we don't actually get a sense of how much aerotech knows but we get a sense that they're like pretty ingrained with something bad we've known they've been nefarious up to this point but we haven't been clear as to why and we kind of get a, a sense here when they meet with this inside man that like They've been up to something. Right, yeah, because the alien specifically wants Aerotech there. And there's been hints throughout the whole show that they're involved in pretty much everything. Like, they were running Bacchus. They're sort of running military, you know, parts of it, like vehicles or whatever. And they're also creating in in vitro. So, like, it's apparently a very large company that has got its fingers in everything and not always um, in positive ways. No, I mean... The inside man kind of says this chig isn't like the other ones, implying Aerotech has captured other chigs and interrogated them. Right. They sort of talk about whether this peace talk is legit, and they're like, I don't see how it could be. The chigs already have all the advantages. Like, they, they really imply they know a lot more than they've been leading on. And the uh, Mr. Lippman, his name is Mr. Wayne. Isn't that it? Yes, his name is, I've got it here, E. Allen Wayne. It's funny because every time they kept saying Mr. Wayne, I just kept thinking he was Batman. Yeah, he's Batman's grandson. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's where, that's where all the Wayne money went into Aerotech. So with Mr. Lippman here, they move on to the peace talks, and there's a bit of a last-minute change because Commodore Ross has a cold? Yeah, and so some reason that means he can't be part. I guess the, they're sort of saying that he might uh, infect, like l- quite literally infect the Chig, but the, but the Chig is literally in a big glass box. Like uh, he's John Travolta on that movie. Remember that movie? Boy in the Boy in the Box, I think it was. Boy in the Box? No, I have no idea what this movie is. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. He's he's a kid who doesn't have an immune system, so he's uh or has a weak immune system, so he's stuck in a bubble and he, he uh anyways he has to live life that way. That's like that Jake J. comedy, the boy in the bubble. Yeah, this is not as funny. But because he's sick, McQueen gets to fill in for him. It's a bit of a contrived way, I guess, of getting one of our leads into the room, but that's fine. It couldn't have just been Commodore Ross. It's someone we don't know as well. Commodore Ross has pretty much been in every episode. Why couldn't he just be in that scene? Like, it seemed like a weird thing of like, no, no, we can't have him there. I, it doesn't come back. And so I think it was just the writing to get McQueen in the room. Right. But there's this big thing where he gives a speech about how he's always wanted to be a big part of history, but now that he has the snuffles, he can't do it. And McQueen has to fill in. And it struck me as very suspicious at the time. Right. I thought there was going to be some reveal that Commodore Ross was, like, working for the Chigs or something. Yeah, but it's not. But it's not. It really is just to get McQueen in the room. Because of what happens eventually in this room, it might have been a thing just to, for a future episode, have McQueen be injured sort of thing, maybe. Yeah, well, that's what happens now is they get into this peace talks. 
the Chig ambassador has a computer that translates to English so they can kind of talk back and forth. And he sounds like, uh, what's his face? What's that guy? <laughs> the genius who was in a wheelchair. What's his name? Stephen Hawking. <laughs> he sounds like that, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember his name. How soon we forget. R.I.P. The Chig ambassador lets them know that the colony survivors are being sent back to the Saratoga now that the peace talks have started. And this ambassador pretty quickly, as soon as these peace talks start, really lays into this Aerotech CEO. Like, he gets right to it. Yeah. And we kind of actually get the full story about what Aerotech's been up to and why they're maybe complicit in this war. They essentially started the war, is what you learn. Yeah, I mean... I actually felt coming out of it that they hadn't started the war in some ways. Oh, you don't think so? Well, what it is is they sort of started to build, not colonize. I don't know if it was colonized, but they started to build stuff on a planet that they knew the Chigs were on or a moon or something, right? What happened was that moon, Anvil, we were just on, Aerotech sent an unmanned satellite out or a probe just to like investigate planets, apparently. One of them landed on that moon and the Chigs found it. And they basically sent a message back to Earth saying, stay on Earth. And then they destroyed the satellite. Right. And, I mean, Aerotechs may be responsible for not telling anyone that they got this message. So then when they went into space, the Chigs took that as a sign of aggression. Yeah, because the Aerotech guy says, listen, we got your message. And we did go out and colonize. We didn't stay on Earth. But we, we started colonizing billions of kilometers away from that moon. Like, we were so far from that moon. We didn't go near your moon. And... He kind of asked them, "Is like, what claim do Chigs have to the entire universe that we couldn't go colonize a planet so far from you? And to this point, the Chig kind of responds by saying, well, how can humans claim the Earth? And the CIO is like, well, it's our home. Like, of course we can claim Earth. That's where we originated, which is where we get the final big reveal mm-hmm. that the Chigs are also from Earth. Yeah. So in a kind of roundabout way. And yeah, so, so they go through the whole thing. And so the uh, the opening from the previous episode makes a little more sense that what you've learned is that, I, do they say they originated from Earth or they've just on Earth for a long time? What it is is sort of minerals or amino acids from Earth were blown off the planet and crash landed on this anvil moon. They say 300,000 years ago, I think, in the episode. I'm not 100% sure that's the right number. Mm-hmm. And that those amino acids are the same as human amino acids and hence... Chigs are born of the same material that humans are. And Chigs were able to determine this because they searched the entire universe until they found Earth and recognized this is where they had come from. I guess these original pieces. And I have a lot of questions here because they get this whole explanation for why Chigs are from Earth. And then the Chig ambassador talks about how the Chigs just evolved faster than humans. Right. So they've been watching humans since they've been in caves. It doesn't really add up. They feel like humans are cave people and they should just stay in their caves. They don't deserve to be out in the universe. But I really have a question for you here. Mm -hmm. If they've been watching humans since they're in caves, that's like 2.5 million years ago, 300,000 years ago, something like that. Yeah. Like it's a long time. Why did Chig technology stall out so hard? They should be so much more technologically advanced than humans are. It's one of these things where... They drop an interesting thing. You're like, we're both humans sort of thing. You're like, okay. But then if you start thinking about it, it starts unraveling. I wonder if Chigs have taken this long. They, they've been watching us for, th- let's say, 300,000 years, and they haven't got any more advanced. We're the better species. Well, I mean... We should we should be wiping these Chigs out. I do like the way they, they make babies. Not make the babies, excuse me. That the way they, I guess, grow the babies? I like that. I think that's a better system. 
throwing them in the walls. Yeah, you you hate physical touch, so <laughs> okay. You wouldn't want to have to create a baby that way. Well, I don't know how the chicks do it. <laughs> in the dirt. In the dirt, gross. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do say it's their ancestral spawning ground. That's why uh, they were mad that that satellite landed there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fair enough. Fair. Fair enough. That's what I would say if I was in those in those diplomatic talks. I'd be like, "All right, you have a point. We have a point. Everyone has a point. You know. Let's go watch some magic." You're a good diplomat that way, though. Thanks. And you love magic. Yeah, well, that's what I would do. I get a magician in. I know the humans would enjoy it. I know the chig would enjoy it, and then everyone would just be on the same same page. You know, the chig would think it was sorcery. He'd be <laughs> perhaps, so mad. Perhaps. <laughs> so while the chig ambassador and the aerotech CEO are arguing, the CEO gets too close to the glass, just like at the zoo, and the chig smashes through and starts like shanking the CEO or something. He's like stabbing him. It was great. That uh, little uh, uh, glass box they put him in didn't stop it even close. Also, he seems way stronger and more formidable than any of the chicks we've seen previously. Oh, he's take care of himself, this ambassador. The entire room starts filling up with this, I guess, methane atmosphere. And all, all the military brass were there all like choking to death. They're all holding their throats like, oh, no, I'm dying. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. And I don't know who did this, but like you see like a cutaway of someone pulling out a gun and shooting it. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why the entire place explodes. Yeah, you know what's funny? I, I my actually my note was what caused the explosion, so I missed that. Yeah, there's a quick cutaway of someone pulling out a gun and firing it, and I guess it sets off the methane atmosphere, causing the explosion. Later, someone will ask if there was a bomb, but I think it was quite clearly this: someone fired in a methane environment, and it just caused a huge explosion. Anyways, it's it, the the effect is that uh, yeah, everyone's injured and McQueen's almost dead. Well, McQueen loses a leg. Do you lose a leg? Yeah, that's what it is. They pull up and his leg is missing and he's bleeding out of a stump. Man, I miss... The, the worst thing I ever do is take notes. Because I take notes and then I look up and I miss things. Oh, you totally missed it. Although now that I think about it, the gunfire going off, is methane a, a volatile gas? Are you uh, supposing that the guy maybe just <laughs> shot off McQueen's leg? <laughs> well, what I'm wondering is, didn't they just have a firefight on a methane planet with chigs and nothing exploded? That is true. I don't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. Anyway, McQueen's really taken it a lot. This series, first he got all scarred up in one episode, that that healed. Then he uh, had to get his little uh, balance chip taken out of his ear. Now he's lost and he lost a leg. It's been a rough go for McQueen. Mm-hmm. Long 18 months. But that pretty much effectively ends the peace talks. Yeah. Commodore Ross is freaking out because now these hostages from the colonies are halfway back to the ship and get attacked by the Chigs for the like end of the peace talks. And they're disabled floating in space. And he needs to send somebody out to get them. But the wild cards are under house arrest. Not for long. He, he basically gets the best line of the whole show. I think of the entire series, this is my, my favorite line reading. Really? What is it? Commodore Ross is trying to plan this rescue. And he's just like, you know what? I need the 58th back out there. We're putting them back into service. And he turns to a guy in the ship and he says, shuffle up the wild cards and deal them. <laughs> that is pretty good. It was a really great, I'm like, oh, have they been saving that line? Because it's great. And this actor who plays Commodore Ross, oh man, can he deliver a one-liner like no yeah. one's business? Yeah, he's, he's, he's a good actor and he's a, he's a fun character. They, they didn't really do, he should have had his own episode at some point, 22 episodes. It's true. He could have easily had one with his guitar. He had to get to the big show, save the rec center. Mm-hmm. The um, uh, that's funny. Um, is this where we get to? Thanks. Yeah, is this where we get to? Uh, there's like twenty shots shots of like ships like docking into one another. Yeah, this is all where they load up onto like a transpo ship with the wild cards and they fly off to this disabled one. 
I think there was something lost in the edit here, and this is very small, but it's I couldn't understand the line Vanson was saying, because as their transpo ship arrives at the disabled one, they pull up over top and they seem to drop like a metal tube down that they're gonna connect to the ship so they can like have people climb up a ladder to get in and like mm-hmm. rescue the hostages. But we never see the metal tube come out of the ship and attach exactly. But as it's flying up, Vanson gives this line where she's getting ready to sort of, I guess, connect with them. Mm-hmm. And she, her line is, poppin' a chub in three, two, one. Poppin' a chub? Poppin' a chub. And my guess is there was some VFX shot or some like SFX shot where you saw the tube come out the bottom of one of the ships. Hmm. And it must have looked like a boner. <laughs> Oh, I wish that shot was still in there. Because that's the only way that line makes sense is if when they do this connection, it looks like a dick joke happening. And then Vanson's, or sorry, not Vanson, it was actually Damfus. Damfus would say, pop in a chub in three, (laughs) two, one, which would have been great. That would have been amazing. That would have been a very funny, very like good moment, I think. Yeah. Oh, well, Lost, lost to the sands of time. I don't know. That's my that's my only guess for wh- why that line's in the in the episode still. <laughs> but what we're getting is that the ship that's disabled is the colonist ship, right? Yeah, it's got the hostages on it, and so they need to go down and sort of pull them off the ship. Uh, Wang does some like rock paper scissors, and he gets to go down with West. West finds his girlfriend Kaylin amongst the hostages, so we know she's still alive. We actually get closure on that story, which we've been betting we never would. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think so. Also, let me make a one quick note. There's one of the Vesta colonists uh, in this ship, and he looks just like Polly Shore. <laughs> oh, I did notice him too. He right? did look exactly like Polly Shore. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but we do get to. Yeah, I. I didn't. I was sure we were never going to see her again. But they get their moment that you know, only West has been waiting for, which is he gets to embrace uh, old uh, Kaylin there. Yeah, she's back and she's alive. She it looks okay. Eighteen months. She doesn't look too dirty. They look okay. Uh, I do like when they climb down to the ship. Wang's like, "Oof, these these hostages stink." <laughs> and also, you think they would have given her an episode, like a little ball episode of like what was like in the internment camp or whatever she was. Maybe that would have been second season of flashback to see what what the internment camp was like. Perhaps. I was kind of hoping she would stay on the ship. I will get to it, but she kind of leaves right away. And I was like, oh, maybe she'll become a regular character in the next season. But they, they seem to, like, actually push her away very quickly. It, it did seem like they were like, oh, uh, this might be done. Let's just get this character out of the way and, like, get that story done. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to where they are now, West and Wang send all the hostages up to the working ship. But while that's happening, Wang actually figures out a way to get the second transfer up and running again. Mm-hmm. And they decide we're better off having two ships than one because there's more Chig fighters coming in and we'll need to defend these hostages. So we kind of get a few moments where they're fighting more Chig ships, like more space battle stuff. Wang and West are in one ship. Damfus, Vanson, Hawks, and the hostages are in another ship. The Chig sort of focus their fire on West and Wang. And Damfus tells Vanson we should probably just run. But Vanson has a little bit too much... Uh, I'm not sure what hubris here because hmm. she turns around and comes back to like rescue them from the chigs. Yeah. And in doing so, the chig, the last chig fighter seems to get this like one in a million shot off. Do you remember how this happens? It's very weird. I, I'm trying to remember. I, all I know is that it seems like time after time they keep releasing a part of the ship and it joins another part of the ship and then another part of the ship gets released and another joins it. But what, what, what did the chig do? So when Vanson turns around to come rescue Wang and West, there's one last chick ship that pops over and gets this lucky shot off that manages to hit just the middle part of the cockpit, which 
separates the cockpit oh, yeah, yeah. from the hold. No one dies, but Vanson and Damfus are now floating free in space in the cockpit, and right. Hawks and the hostages are floating free in the hold, and Vanson and Damfus kind of get pulled into the gravity of a planet and actually mm-hmm. end up crash landing on this planet. We don't see what happens, but we sort of leave them. The last we'll see of them is them free falling down onto a planet. The implication being they're probably not going to survive. And if they do, it's not like there's any resources in the ship for them to use. So it's like, it's a death sentence one way or another. Yeah. And Damfus is completely unconscious. Like it's, it's a bad news for them. Like we're maybe the last we'll see of these two characters. Yeah. Damfus is like that panda. She doesn't even see it coming. It's true. She's uh, just sitting there eating her bamboo. (laughs) Seeing this, West knows they need to go pick up the hostages now. The way these transposts sort of work, it's maybe the best I've seen them happen this far, is the hold is like a shipping container that they can disengage from the ship itself. Yeah. So what he needs to do is remove the hold from the ship he's on in order to fly over and pick up the hold that Hawks and the hostages are in. Right. Wang is currently in the hold, sort of defending them from the Chigs that are attacking. And he's taken so much damage that the door to the cockpit has sealed shut. So Wang is now stuck in the hold. He can't get out. Right. So Wang disengages his own hold, leaving him free-floating in space so that West can go pick up Hawks and the hostages. He basically has just decided, I'm less important than all these people, so... I'll sacrifice sacrifice myself. And that is literally now three characters who are seemingly dead. Well, I mean, I'll say that Vanson and Damfus, the way they crash, you're given the idea that you'll probably see them again if there's more episodes. They probably didn't die in that descent. Wang is definitely dead. You see him firing at Chiggs, like kind of giving this last stand while they lets West and Hawks get away. And I don't know if you caught this, but... As he's firing at the Chigs, he starts listing off the names of dead 58th members. Oh, really? Is that what he was saying? He's he's shouting, Winslow, Jankowitz, Woodyuk, Nelson, this is for you. Hmm. Referring back to, like, one-off characters we've seen before. And he hits a Chig ship, and it flies directly into this little hold he's in, and the entire thing explodes. Like, there's yeah. no way Wang survived. Yeah, he's done. This is that was That was the end of our dear friend Wang. Yeah, I was I was really surprised. Honestly, this episode I was like, have we just like literally killed characters? And for all intents and purposes, yes, yes, we have. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a bit of a bloodbath this episode. That's for sure. I I would say definitely one lead character dies in this episode, if not three. Yeah, plus a missing leg. <laughs> three three and a three and a third. So West gets back to Saratoga with the hostages, just in time to see McQueen being loaded onto a transport ship back to Earth because his leg's missing and he needs to go back for medical attention. McQueen gives him back his locket with Kalen's photo in it from back in the Christmas episode when he somehow came into possession of it. Yeah, that was weird. But it, you know what? It, it tied together because I was like, oh, yeah, he had that for some reason. And then he gets a quick makeout with Kalen and she's put on the same transport ship. Like It's like they get back for 30 seconds and everyone's shipped back away. So it's very quick. There's very little time with Kalen. What I kind of felt was that West had changed so much as a person that he kind of knew this relationship wasn't going to be the same as it was before because he he seemed like like he obviously they, they hugged and they kissed and they were happy to see each other but he seemed like he knew he was meant for other things now and he had a new mission you know it's sort of, sort of like well you got to go you know what i agree with you but i agree with you in one way in that i think the writing wasn't saying that but i actually do think the actor 
was making that choice. Hmm. Because all the dialogue seemed to imply that they would like none of the dialogue seemed to be like this is over but the actor seemed to be making the choices like i've changed so much there's nothing between us anymore right yeah and and i would say the character was made if not more interesting more palatable as a viewer uh, to the viewer and i yeah i i actually like i hated him at first hated him and i was like yeah west is all right i wondered if maybe because they were facing possible cancellation he got these last lines. He's like, this isn't the right for my character. My character shouldn't be feeling this way. He should be going. He should be knowing that their relationship has changed so much. It's over. Mm-hmm. And he was just making that choice himself. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I-, I loved that scene. I'm like, yeah, he should be changed by this war. It doesn't have the emotional oomph you're looking for. It's he's like, well, you got to go. And it's just that's that's it. It's like it's a, just a matter of fact thing. I really liked it. And then we see West go back to their 58th bunks and he goes to Wang's little bed and he sees all the photos of Wang on the wall. One photoshopped of his head on a football player. Yeah. <laughs> I I felt like in world Wang had photoshopped his face onto his favorite athlete's head. I thought that was what he was looking at. <laughs> yeah. That, it, in, in that sense, it works then. And he lays down in Wang's bed, kind of having a, a think on everything that's happened. And Hawks walks into the room and there's this quick flash flame Mm-hmm. Like it's very quick where they cut out Hawks and put in a frame of Wang standing in the doorway instead of Hawks and then cut back to Hawks immediately, which I thought was really effective, actually. A nice use of a flash frame. Yeah, it was it was like I was just like, oh, what just happened? But it was. Yeah, he just he's been thinking about his friend. And for a second, he thought he was there. And yeah, for a moment, he saw Wang walk through the door. But it is Hawks. Hawks lays down in Vanson's bed and he kind of gives us a line of dialogue about how now he knows how Vanson felt her entire life. Because he just lost his mother and father in the same day, too. Mm-hmm. Question. Who was his mother? Who was his father? <laughs> well, it was a weird line because they kind of, you know, at first they were hinting and then they put it a little harder that, you know, uh, he had a, uh, he was having romantic feelings towards Vance. And, and I'm assuming she was the mother and... Uh, could have been uh, Dan Wang, Could have been Dan Foos, But either way, it, it, what he's implying is that he's lost his family. You know, he's finally, after all this time, he actually got a family and now he's lost them. And it's sort of where it ends. Like the camera starts pulling back with the two surviving wildcard members laying in these beds. And it's it's a pretty nice shot. And it, like, it's a nice ending. It's very emotionally satisfying. Yeah. And that's, and the, I was, I, I was like, that's it. They literally killed a bunch of the crew. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's a crazy ending, but one that works surprisingly well. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought, I thought it was a, a really good episode from beginning to end. This is a little thing. I don't know if you caught it, but at the end of every episode, we get a credit card for the executive producers, Morgan and Wong. Mm-hmm. Like the episode ends, it goes to black. There's a credit card for them at the end of every episode. At the end of this episode, it ended with the same executive producer credit card for them. But underneath their names, there were three letters. A-M-F. What does that stand for? I don't know. It's the first time they've ever been in any episode. And it's clearly because this is the last episode. So I did some Googling as to what AMF might stand for. Mm-hmm. And my best guess is AMF stands for Adios Motherfuckers. Really? I think so. Weird. And do, do other people, other people's theory online uh, agree with you? I couldn't find any other writing about it. It was just a very strange thing because I'm like, I recognize this credit because I see it at the end of every episode. It's the first time the, the letters AMF have ever been down there. Hmm. Hmm. You know, I just want to think of things that that could stand for. No, I don't know. I did some Googling and I feel like that's, that's the most likely answer to that question. Hmm. Aunt May's farts? 
they're real Spider-Man fan, and they assume that Aunt May has smelly farts. Interesting theory. <laughs> it's, it's the first thing I could think of. <laughs> I like that that is the first thing you could think of. I was just like, hey, Aunt, Aunt May, Aunt May's farts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be inside your brain. I'd be terrible at that game. You ever you remember there was an old game uh, game show called Bumper Stumpers, and you had to guess what the uh, the license plate was. I do. Anyways, I'd be bad at that game. And that wraps up the entire series of Westworld. No, nope. not Westworld. That wraps up the entire series of Space Above and Beyond. It's been a long go. Twenty three episodes. It's crazy. It's been a long go. Um, before I've got a few notes at the end here to sort of talk about how this show maybe got canceled or kind of what the feelings are around it but before Mm -hmm. we do that i think we can pretty safely assume wang died so it's probably time for a uh sid's forward eulogy oh no i gotta think about it i didn't i didn't think ahead of time you you go and then give me a minute and i'll think all right here's my forward eulogy for wang sports fan chucklebot nemesis um i don't know if this works but smelled grass ate ass (laughs) (laughs) horrible is it bad? No, it's great. I love All it. Right. I'm not going to do one for Vanson and Danfus. I want to believe they lived. That's how I choose to end the series. Oh, I, I think they died. You think that's the, that's the end of them? I think it's the end of them. I think they I think they probably could even get out of the cockpit. I think they just like <laughs> just died from uh, suffocation. I was digging around a little bit because I found on Reddit, someone had posted an article. It was published in April of 98 about the mm. end of the show. So quite a few years later... Someone had gone to interview Morgan and Wong about Space Mom Beyond and its sort of untimely end. Uh, it was in Starlog magazine. And the interview is pretty short. It's actually not as in-depth as I would have liked. But there's a few things that are pretty clear from it is Morgan and Wong were pretty bitter with the network about the cancellation of the show. Oh, really? Was it It was an uh, antagonistic relationship from the beginning or just because they got canceled? Well, I think it's from the beginning. They, I don't think they felt like the marketing was around it was correct. They're, they're willing to admit that there were bad episodes. They sort of, in their mind, it took them till probably episode, I believe they say 12, 13, 14, and 15 to start finding their feet and that they had actually done some not great episodes before that. I, I would agree with them on that. It's true. They made some pretty bad ones after that too. So I'm a little, I'm a little like, you're right, but you're also not, not exactly correct. They put a lot of it on the bad time slot they were given on Fox. They were Sundays at 7. Yeah, but wasn't wasn't maybe the X Files wasn't at the time, but I know the X Files moved to Sunday nights at a certain point too. But I think maybe to their point is Fox had Sunday night football. Oh. So what happened was a lot of episodes would start after football overruns, so they would miss the first act. So people would have to come in mid episode. That is bad. That's you know what, you have a pretty good point there. And I actually wonder we've talked about this a few times in some of these episodes where it feels like the first act is perfunctory. Like it doesn't really matter to what happens for the rest of the episode. Oh, do you think you they started designing the episodes that way? Well, I wonder, because if you look at Pearly, they introduce this one character. He's a fast-talking tank driver. By the end of the first act, they meet this British guy, and he's dead. And the second act starts, and you don't really need to know too much about that guy you met. And I'm wondering if they started designing the episodes to have first acts that could be done away with. That's interesting. I mean, may, I mean, maybe. It's I mean, you crazy. know what? It, it, it's it, it's an odd way to structure an episode, but um, and if the theory you know does kind of, it does make sense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, or maybe I'm overthinking it. But it was just interesting the idea that 
they started noticing, hey, people have to come in and start watching 15 minutes into the show. We need to find a way to maybe they needed to find a way to explain what the show was twice in an episode. Right. The article ends with a little look forward as to what might have happened in the second season. And one one of the plot lines they talked about was McQueen and the fact that he lost his leg. Mm-hmm. So they were going to take him back to Earth and it was going to be him getting a new leg. And you know that movie Coming Home? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think that was the idea. They're going to do a bit of a coming home with him. Wow. What a, what a, a non-fun episode that would have been. I don't know. Maybe McQueen on Earth, he gets to go see his ex-wife. Yeah. Maybe he gets to stop at Bacchus and uh, watch David Duchovny play pool for a while. <laughs> would that be better? I don't know. The other episode they mentioned, or not episode, but plot line, was that someone would come in to replace McQueen, and that person would be a bit of a mentor or something for Vanson, but the rest of the squad wouldn't come on board with him. I think because they mentioned that this person would have been a mentor for Vanson, I think there was obviously some intent of at least bringing Vanson back from that crash. I kind of look at it like she died in the episode, but yes, I think if there was a second season, they probably only would have killed Wang. Um, but that was about it. It was a very brief article. And it was too bad. I was hoping it would be a bit more of an oral history or like look at what happened with the show. But um, it was pretty short. I have a little bit of other trivia. But is there anything you wanted to get into before the end of this episode? No, I mean, we've talked, you know, for now hours and hours about the show. And I mean, I- I've said it before that this show, I think people remember it really fondly in some ways that are fair and some maybe are that are not. And it's a bit of a bummer because... I mean, you picked the show specifically because we didn't want to watch something like Tech War again. And in a lot of ways, this was by far the best show we've seen. And I should say, in almost every way, it's the best show we've seen. But it's also a frustrating show because it could have been great. And I think it's mostly middling with some fun, good episodes, you know, speckled in there. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Too bad. It's it's too bad. A near miss. Yeah, near miss. All right. Well, before we wrap this up... Let me give you these last little pieces of trivia I found while I was doing my r- closing research on the show. Mm-hmm. We talked about this very early on, the idea that it was similar to Starship Troopers, but apparently it was actually based on a different science fiction novel. Mm-hmm. It was a response to Starship Troopers, a book called The Forever War. Oh, what's that? I guess it was written by a guy named Joe Hel- Haldenman. I'm probably mispronouncing that. But it was uh, sort of a science fiction that looked at war from the perspective of Vietnam and how badly it had gone. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, was apparently the initial inspiration for taking on this program for Morgan and Wong. Um, and I, I don't know too much about it, but I might have to give it a read because it sounds like it's it's not as militaristic and like nationalistic as Starship Troopers was. Hmm. Although it's interesting because I'm not sure all the elements of like anti-war that seem to be in this novel are maybe in this show. Uh, yeah, because I, I think this show, and I've, I've mentioned it before in the past, the sort of... Um military jingoism that seems to happen a little bit on the show it annoyed me and uh i feel like it was maybe a little too pro war and they didn't do enough where they kind of stopped and thought about their actions i mean these two episodes they did but i think uh, those were kind of few and far between could have used a little more of it all right next piece of trivia many of the sound effects from space above beyond were heavily reused in futurama Oh, really? <laughs> that's funny. I, that's what I read. Uh, I have to go back and watch Futurama to see if that's true, but uh, I thought that was an interesting tidbit. Weird. And the last piece of trivia was that apparently Space and Beyond was originally planned as a five-season arc. Really? I don't know. I don't know if this show has enough has five years in it. I, I did read that. I'm like, you should have sped it up then. You should have given us more of what was going to happen in that five years because you didn't get into enough of it in the first season. 
there's an episode where uh, there's a flashback to Wang and his family at Wrigley Field. That's an episode. They bring him back for a special episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Five years. That's a. I don't know if the show had it in it. I mean, maybe that was its fatal flaws. They should have just left it all on the table in the first season. Yeah, maybe. Not held back their good ideas for season four. <laughs> right. You know, don't, 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 don't have something exciting happen. We're going to do that four years from now. <laughs> But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, We've talked about it a lot. What do you think? Recommend this show or no? I think you said it way back when. It was was some of the early episodes, and you said you would have the person start then and watch. I think it might have been a two-parter or something similar to that. And and I think that's what I would say. If if you pick and choose episodes, that's definitely a show I would recommend. Uh, To watch the whole season, uh, they'd have to be a pretty hardcore science fiction fan. Yeah, I agree. It, it it would be find a best of list and just yeah. watch those. Episodes. Because honestly, you'd get a great sense of the show and go, "Wow, this is a really fun show" without having to slog through that episode where his brother comes back and all that. You'd be tricked into thinking a great show is canceled. Yeah, exactly. As as you opposed know to the truth. As opposed to an okay show that occasionally was great and occasionally was bad. Exactly. All right, Jordan. Let's rate these episodes. What do you give? And if they lay us down to rest. I already know I like both these episodes more than you did. This episode, I'm giving an 8.5. And a 0.5 is just for the Chig Baby. 8.5, amazing. Yeah. I really, I really, really liked it. I think you won me over a little more to this episode. I, not that I didn't like it. it. It just felt a little perfunctory, like not a lot. It was another running around chasing something episode. But... I agree the ending was great because it was a big reveal, and I did like seeing an alien. I think talking about it helped me get uh, like it a little bit more. I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. And then finally, the final episode, tell our moms we done our best. Luke, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm giving it a nine. I really, a nine. I really, really liked it. And again, I'm looking at these two episodes, and these two episodes are what I really desperately wish the show would be. And I think it's so frustrating that they ended the show on such a high mark. I liked everything. I liked that they killed characters. It was full of action. It was adventured, had uh, character moments. Um, they resolved plots. I just thought it was a great overall episode. Well, Jordan, I agree with you completely. 9.5. Holy moly. We've, that's the, both of our highest scores ever by far. It only didn't get to 10 because there were no strawberries. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because you didn't see, like, uh, West kill his girlfriend or something. That got a 10 from yeah. me. I'm like, holy moly, he really did change. He already killed his girlfriend that one time. That's true, he did. He made it to a goo monster. All right, Jordan. Now that we're done with Space Month Beyond, all these months later, we're going to move on to some new stuff. Next week, we're going to do a failed pilot TV movie. And then we'll be moving on to a new series the week after that. So lots to look forward to coming, coming up. Mm-hmm. I guess. Is that a lot to look forward to? Yeah. Depends there's... who you are, I guess. Yeah. And it's and we really did uh, talk about this show. So it's going to be, I, we'll, we'll probably have not have anything as long as this for a little while, but but it was uh, it was fun and awful all at the same time. Yeah. It was a real roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, feel like, I feel like I've been through quite the relationship. Well, if you want to send us any more details about the end of Space Movie Beyond or have any thoughts of your own, you can contact us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. And, of course, if you follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at ContinuumDreg, you'll get to see some, uh, actually, some pretty good clips from these episodes, I think, because there was some fun stuff going on. Yeah, the reveal of the chig face. It was great. Ah, uh, you can finally see what a chig face looks like, and you don't have to watch the show. <laughs> yeah. What, what a deal. All right, Jordan. Uh, it's been fun doing this with you, this whole series. I know it was a lot, mm-hmm. uh, some, some ups and downs for you personally, but mm-hmm. I, I'm glad we did it. Me too. All right. 
listeners we'll uh, talk to you next week and jordan i'll see you then yeah bend over chiggy man bend over chiggy man one last one time. last time i'm popping in here for a quick little addendum to the episode we forgot to say the overall rating for space of beyond for jordan and i the final series average was 6.57 highest series we've watched so far keep that in the recording Continuum Drag is recorded at Astrolab Studios in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Ruxiedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, and Dwayne Wright. <laughs>